Okay, hello everybody and welcome back to the Daily Thread. Ah, it feels like Tuesday, but it's Thursday, tomorrow's Friday, and then it's Shabbos, but we're still coming at you with a new episode. Thank you for joining us. Okay, Abba, so I got some hate mail. All right, yeah, before you get to the hate mail, all right, tell me about your hate mail. What's the nature of the hate mail? Okay, so I'm going to read an email I got, and... and um, this is. I'm not going to read the person's name because I, I feel like it would be maybe Lashon Hara. Well, they signed. They signed. They signed their their real name. You think? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's. I think it would be their real name. It's also in their email. Props to them. I can also say which company they're from, but I wouldn't do that. Okay. I'm not a bad guy. Props to them. I know for for signing off the real name and not trying to do it anonymous. You know, uh, Nahi. I love your podcast. I listen to both the Daily Thread and Meaningful People regularly. I'm not the kind of person that writes in, but I have to say that today's Daily Thread was cringe-worthy. What kind of man does not know how to change a tire? Chewing gum? Really? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a really pathetic story that I personally would have kept to myself. For heaven's mm-hmm. sake, mm-hmm. learn how to change a tire okay. and to do basic things to yourself. Yeah. And then he signed his name. Well, I, I, I answered him in the email, but I just want to answer you. I want to answer you here. Uh, First of all, thank you for the kind email. I really appreciate it. Second of all, the car didn't come with a spare tire. Chewing gum was was my attempt at sort of to try to stop the air from coming out. And to be honest, and if I don't know how to change a tire, that's I don't think that's pathetic. Well, some people don't know how to do. So. Do you know how to do it? Ah, but do you know how to change? Do you know how to do an oil do change? You know do you know how to do an oil change or a tune up? I'm sure you know how to do that. No, I, I, but Adam, I'm sure Adam does. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure this guy does. <laughs> <laughs> is that his name? Um, uh, the the thing is, um, I was thinking to myself that uh, chewing gum was a little ridiculous. Uh, you should, you should Why st- is that ridiculous? What you, would you, you do? Know, you should have stopped for a slice of pizza. The cheese is much more, is thicker. And I think would have held the tire for at least another three or four miles. So I, I don't think... It really you- depends... Depends where the cheese would be from, but I, well, I hear that. If I had cheese, I would do it. But you, sh- you should have got a ziti slice. If you could have find a, a pizza store that's open, get a ziti slice. You take some of the ziti off, and you get it inside the tire. Um, what you put? Your, you put the gum in with your thumb? How'd you do that? <laughs> I got two pieces of chewing gum. I chewed them adequately, and I placed it on top. I placed it on top of the hole where the air is coming out. I think. And I, think I tried to just. I think you would have got another mile or two if you wouldn't have chewed the gum. If you would have put the gum in just fresh without being chewed, I think you took some of the. I don't know. I think you took some of the potential strength out of the gum by chewing it. First of all, you chew all the sweetness out of the gum, right? So it had no taste anymore. I think the person who sent this sent this email in is again cringing at this conversation even. But I just want to say have some benefit of the doubt. Don't hate your guy over here. I was trying my best. What would you do? What would you do? You would take off the tire. It was Purim. Nobody was coming out. Uh, even a police officer, like well, I said, pulled over. He was no help. You know, well, if you're what dr- would you do? If you're, if, you're dri- if you're driving a car without a spare, number one, you should join AAA. It's very inexpensive. Uh, but being that it was... Um, uh, it was perm. You probably should have called Double A. You know what Double A is? Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, you should have called Alcoholics Anonymous. You have most of the guys from Chaverim. <laughs> did, <laughs> you plan, did you did you plan that joke? No, I just thought about it. Like most of everything else we discussed, yeah, I just thought about it now. <laughs> that is true. That yeah. is true. Okay, so getting to our our first story of the day, I guess we'll start off more uh, jokingly. We are still in Adar, so. 
Uh, this story is via the Daily Wire, and it's titled "The Cocaine Cat." Cincinnati Zoo takes an African serval. What a serval is a cat? You know what a serval? A serval? No, not familiar. Not familiar the with Cincinnati the- Zoo takes. Cincinnati Zoo takes an African cat found with cocaine in its system mm-hmm. after the owner was arrested. Hmm. Um, okay, so. The Cincinnati Zoo announced that Tuesday they were taking care of an African cat named Amiri. The cat was involved in a traffic stop late in January. It escaped its owner's car when police arrested him and ran up, to, ran up a tree, breaking its legs in the process. Anim- animal welfare experts said the cat tested positive for cocaine. Uh, the cat has been receiving veterinary care for, uh, in our animal health center since he was brought here. Uh, I'm curious, how they know that? how they know the cat's name? So what uh, what attracted you to that story? What uh, what uh, interested you in that story? By the way, I don't know. A cat. I think uh, it's pretty interesting. Cat on cocaine. Um, speaking of cocaine, by the way. Speaking of cocaine, Daryl Strawberry. Remember Daryl Strawberry? Sure. He must be about Stra- uh, what fifty something years old today. Fifty five. So Daryl Strawberry, who he was, wasn't he a drug addict? Uh, he may have had a, he may have had a drug problem. But uh, that's not so yeah. unusual. I think he got over so, it. So uh, he is now a evangelical preacher, <laughs> focused ah, on very cool. promoting. Prom- he's focused on promoting Israel. So that's just uh, while we're on the topic. That's that's a conversation I thought I'd bring up. But do you know what? Abba? I just got a, I just got an alert from Balaz News mm-hmm. uh, that there was a car ramming attack near Beit Enun, uh, not far from Chevron. According to initial reports, one IDF soldier was lightly injured. Updates mm-hmm. to follow. So this is a, you know, as we're recording the Daily Thread today, this is a fluid story. Not not sure what is going to happen from this, but this is just a new report that I see that popped in my phone as we're recording well, this. Well, you know, Israel, Israel uh, is really in turmoil right now. Uh, the left is protesting like crazy. They're blocking Ben-Gurion Airport today with hundreds of cars not allowing people uh, to uh, arrive at the airport. One of our neighbors is in Israel. It's supposed to go to the airport tonight. Uh, supposed to be home tomorrow morning. I don't know uh, how they're going to be delayed. I was in touch with him this morning. And uh, there's traffic for miles and miles from uh, from uh, Jerusalem uh, heading into Ben-Gurion Airport. So what exactly are they, are they protesting? Okay, I know when I say the words... Uh, they want to change the judiciary process. You roll your eyes and say, oh, we're going to discuss that again? Israeli politics? But it's not about that. Yes, on the surface, it's about the judiciary process. And if you want to have details about it, you can read the Five Towns Jewish Times this morning. In an article that I wrote, which starts on the front page, which is called Justice and Peace. But you know what it's really about? It's about the fact that there's 30 members of Knesset that are religious, observ- religiously observant, and the fear on the left that they have a um, a uh, majority in the Knesset uh, can, when you when you take into consideration the conservative parties like uh, Likud and uh, and the United Torah Judaism and Shas and um, religious Zionists and so on and so forth that they could genuinely move the country in a direction of greater observance of Shabbos, of Kashris. And you know what the biggest, most sensitive point is? Where the yeshiva students are going to be drafted into the uh, IDF, into the Israeli military. Because, you know, during the campaign, and I point this out in the article, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about it, because I know that you uh, don't like me talking about this too much or too long. But uh, during, <laughs> during, the, um, during the campaign, before the election, before November, Moshe Gafni of United Torah Judaism made the following statement. He said that 
students, uh, yeshiva boys sitting and learning, protect the state of Israel just as much as the military does. So, you know, you either believe that or you, or you don't believe that. And this is what the, the, left, uh, the left is fighting. They're fighting the status of Torah in Eretz Yisrael. So when you hear someone like me talk about the judiciary and the process and the appointment of Supreme Court justices and you start, and you start yawning, you're not paying attention because the real problem is the from people, the Torah observance in the Eretz Yisrael or the lack of. Yeah. Well, it obviously is an, an important story, and, and now for our listeners and myself to have the clarity that what these protesters are protesting is is the government becoming more religious and doing things for, for the religious Jews. Stricter, stricter observance of Shabbos. When Bennett was prime minister and Lapid after him, uh, they were just a couple of uh, governmental votes away from allowing buses to run on Shabbos in Yerushalayim, which has never been done. In, in, in Eretz Yisrael, uh, they were loosening uh, kashrus laws, uh, you know, making it, uh, giving hechsherim uh, to stores that open on Shabbos. And everyone that observes kosher that knows anything about kashrus knows that it's contingent upon the observance of Shabbos. But isn't Naftali Bennett, isn't Naftali Bennett a from Yid? You know, I, I can't pass judgment on that. You know, there's a guy named Avram Borg who also wears a yarmulke, uh, scotch tape to his head. And uh, he has some of the most controversial um, backward type of positions. You know what? When um, Batsalo Smorich, by the way, who will be in New York next week, we should really get him on Meaningful People if he speaks English. I have to find out about that. Uh, but he'll be in New York next week for a few days. Uh, if he... Um, if he um, if uh, if uh, Avram Borg, who said uh, when uh, someone said uh, when Smorge said that the uh, Hurara should be uh, wiped out, uh, you know what uh, uh, Avram Borg said, and 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 Smorge was wildly condemned when he said that. No, innocent people shouldn't be killed. No one should call for the killing of innocent people. We're all against that, whether it's Arabs or Jews. But you know what Avram Borg said, and nobody said a word. Avram Borg said that Habracha where the boys who were killed, where the Aviv boys live, Habracha should be wiped out. That's what he said. No one protested. No one protested. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Well, we also would be remiss if we didn't report about the sudden patira of Chaim Elephant, uh, the son of Yankee and Lisa Elephant, nep- the nephew of, of Rabbi Zechariah Wallace, in Zetzal. Um, Chaim was a father of four. He was traveling from L.A. to Fort Lauderdale with two of his business partners, and he suffered a massive heart attack aboard a plane. Uh, the plane made an emergency landing in New Orleans, and uh, unfortunately, he was pronounced pronounced dead at the hospital. Um, he was 30, uh, 32 Levia, years old, I think, 32, 33. Yeah, thir- 32 or 33. Very, very, um, very odd, very unusual. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible situation, one that our, unfortunately our family knows uh, too well of what it, what it looks like for you know to to leave behind four kids and and a young wife and now that the family is grappling with with this tragedy the LA community is reeling from this tragedy his levaya today is at 3 p.m. eastern time 12 at uh, 12 p.m. Um, well we you, you should point out for new people listening to this you're what you're referring to is uh, the passing the untimely passing of uh, our son-in-law and your brother-in-law Mishi Hirsch his yard site is going to be this coming Monday uh, uh the, the 20th of Adar um and uh, he passed away I believe he was just a couple of 40. uh 
Yeah. Was he 48? Just was 40. Just turned 40. And, uh, yeah. you know, we, we got uh, five beautiful kids that uh, uh, just uh, uh, Malky, uh, my daughter, and uh, our daughter and your sister, just unbelievable courage. And uh, uh, I was just thinking to myself last night that uh, when I saw the news about uh, Chaim Elephant, uh, I was thinking about his widow uh, and the four little kids who I saw a picture of uh, online, I thought to myself, oh, Maki has a job to do because very often over the last four years, she was the first call that uh, was made in situations uh, like this to give a little yeah. hope. She's a young lady with four little kids. She needs to uh, she needs to mourn uh, appropriately and protect her children and uh, regain her strength and um, at the right time, uh, look ahead uh, to the future. I think I explained it here a few weeks ago. Uh, my phone rang in the house. Did I tell you that story about my phone rang in the house? Uh, uh, and I never answered a wall phone because only telemarketers call on the wall phone. Uh, but uh, I, I picked it up. I picked it up on a whim. And the guy asked for, for your sister, for Malky. And I said, she doesn't mm-hmm. live here. She hasn't lived here for, I don't know, 15, 16 years already. I don't know, 16, 17 years maybe. And he said, oh, he had to talk to her because... His son passed away a month earlier, and his daughter-in-law with three kids uh, here in Queens uh, is having a very difficult time, and she needs to speak to uh, to Malky and Malky Hirsch. So, um, you yeah, know, it's a it's it's a very difficult time, a situation like this. I was reading last night. I don't know how it popped up, but uh, one in every six hundred flights has a medical emergency, and of those medical emergencies, only. Three tenths of one percent results in someone's death, so it's extremely, extremely unusual. Yeah, and it's tragic. And of course, if you know this family is going to mourn now, and and um, they should feel free to reach out to Malki. You know, they can reach out to us even, and we can put them in touch if if they if they would like that. Um, at the, the right time. At the right the, time. There is money. Yeah, there is money being raised now for for this young family, four kids, and the, and a wife. Um, eight hundred and seven thousand dollars has so far been raised from two thousand four hundred and seventy-three people. Uh, their goal is three million dollars, and and I think you know they're gonna they're gonna reach that goal um, to make sure that this that this wife, uh, this widow, and and the kids they uh, are are well taken care of for a bit. Um, again, in a situation like this, finances should be the last, the least of the stresses and the concern. Yeah. Unfortunately, all too often, it is it is a major concern and a stress. Yeah, internally, it should be the last thing that they have to be concerned about. That's why they jumped so fast to uh, raise the money. But it's also a lesson for young people like that. Uh, you can get life insurance for millions of dollars for such a, a small amount of money. Um, but you know what? At the other flip, the flip side of that, uh, a 32 year old man or woman has a right not to believe they're going to pass away imminently. You know, that's true. So that's, you know, first of all, we, we don't, we don't know. We don't, we don't know. And we're not going to, you know, speculate whether life insurance, no life insurance, but we'll take the opportunity for sure to say that people should get life insurance. Um, uh, especially at that age, Nachi, you know, you, you probably, I don't know, you can pay a hundred, well, I think any 50 time, or a hundred bucks a month. I, I, I think anytime someone gets married, right. Or, or, or at least when you have your first child, life insurance is something you should have. And it's such a, it's such a thing where it's like, it's almost uncomfortable because, like, what am I spending money on if I if someone passes away, so their family is taken care of? It's it's a little bit. It's like buying. It's like buying a caver. It's like buying that. It's a little uncomfortable, but at the same time, 
It's the most responsible thing to do. The, the premium for anyone from 25 to 35 without with uh, with good health, the premium is probably less. The monthly premium is less than it costs you to go out to dinner, uh, in in any yeah. any good restaurant. It's true. All right, you want to change uh, to another subject that I have on my thing here that I've been carrying around for a week. Um, were you ever? Yeah, let's were, talk about were, you, it. were you ever hit? When you ever hit when you were in school in yeshiva? Oh, no, uh, I don't think so. I don't think. I don't think so. I think I would have when I was going to yeshiva, which was uh, I think uh, maybe forty years uh, earlier than you. I was very widespread <laughs> to not kids to not kids around. Anyway. I'm not going to stay down on the couch now and start talking about that. I never got hit. I was a very good kid in yeshiva. You never got hit? Not in yeshiva. Not by any strangers, <laughs> I can tell you that. You know? <laughs> I was a very good kid. Okay. But you know what? I was just thinking about that I'm going to talk about this One second, you should know, I did see, I did, I, I did see <laughs> kids get hit when I was in yeshiva. I remember vividly in second grade, there was a, a Rebbe who's no longer alive. I'm definitely not going to say his name. He's no longer alive, but he was my Rebbe in second grade, and... And he did hit. He did hit. Uh, he did hit a kid pretty badly. Well, second grade. Um, second grade. You're seven years old in second grade. No, I I know. Yeah. Well, you know what? But I was in. Know, I, I was in. Yeah. Fourth, I was in fourth grade, and I was thinking about it this morning. I was in fourth grade, which means uh, I have a grandson in fourth grade, and he's. Uh, I think he's nine. Maybe he's gonna be nine. Uh, no, he's probably mm -hmm. nine. Uh, so I was in fourth grade. I, I a guy in front of me. I'm not going to say, you know, what the circumstances were, but we had to have our books covered. And if you didn't get your book covered, you would define the orders from the administration in the school. And this guy in front of me didn't have his books covered, his English books covered. And the principal came in and he saw the guy has an uncovered book. The guy took his belt off and started whipping him. And the guy was, this guy was sitting right in front of me. Uh, I, I, that happened... Um, 60, 60 years ago, <laughs> and 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 I still remember it like I like I'm seeing it in front of me now. Anyway, let me. I don't want to get bogged down in that. I want to tell you that the New York State Legislature is wants to pass a bill against. Uh, you got a newspaper clipping over there. Yeah, huh? this is from last weekend's New York Times. I buy the New York Times only on fr <laughs> only on Friday, only on Friday, so I can look at it okay. uh, over Shabbos. Uh, otherwise, I don't bother with the New York Times. But the New York State Legislature is considering four bills. The proposal defines corporal punishment as any act of physical force upon a pupil, however light, for the purpose of punishing such pupil or modifying undesirable behavior. It states that no teacher or school employee may use corporal punishment. The bill is now pending in the Senate Children and Families Committee. Another proposal from the Assemblyman David McDonough, a Republican from Long Island, defines corporal punishment to include the use of timeout room, which means you're not allowed to keep kids after school. No detention. You know, really? No staying after school. That's a form of corporal punishment, which is a form uh, of abuse. Anyway, those okay, bills. Well, one second. So they're, they're trying to make they're trying to make um, hitting in schools. He Illegal is what you're saying? Um, let, me, let me read the first paragraph so we have, don't take this out of context. New York State lawmakers have introduced several bills that would ban corporal punishment in private schools after the New York Times reported that students in some Hasidic Jewish children's religious schools have been regularly hit, slapped, or kicked by their instructors. So the, Jew, well, the, Jew, I mean, the Jews are the target. 
That's why I'm bringing well, it up. I, is that is is that um, misinformation? Meaning, are Jews more likely to be hit in schools than public schools? I I have no idea. I think if there's that kind of thing taking place today in this day and age, I mean, I'll, I think it's so I'll minuscule. Tell you what, I'll tell you what. I feel I I, sh- I I've gone. I I have walked through the halls of public schools. I haven't. I didn't go to public school, thank God. But I walked in there, you know, um, during school hours and. Sure, feel a lot safer in my yeshiva than I did walking through the public school, oh, having to go through. That's because you might have been afraid of the students, not the teachers, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, anyway, the, it, I don't know. the point is that it is targeting yeshiva specifically, and that's why it's getting the attention that it's getting. Because the New York Times loves to By have the an New York opportunity Times, yeah. take a shot at uh, at yeshivas for very much the same reason. I don't want to confuse anybody. Very much the same agenda that the left in Israel has and why they're protesting today and blocking access to the airport. They're afraid of uh, the right or the total world being able to demonstrate their effectiveness and success. So they fight it. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't mean you should tolerate kids being hit. Kids shouldn't be hit anywhere. I think I think the hitting thing is is uh, and, and if I'm wrong, people can reach out and say I'm wrong. But I think it's a thing of the past. Um, maybe in minority minority of places in the Jewish world it still happens, um, but I think it's a thing of the past. I don't. I don't Listen, think n- nothing. Nothing ever. Nothing ever uh, could be uh, whatever it is, whether it's drinking or drugs or uh, whatever it is. Nothing is going to be eliminated a hundred percent. You're always going to have exceptions uh, to the rule, and I'm sure even the uh, very very uh, right wing yeshivas. I'm sure they have policies against corporal punishment. Uh, and I think the Times is trying to uh, indicate that it's more widespread. Uh, maybe they got some complaints about it, but chances are whoever's complaining about it has uh, an alternative agenda also at the same time. Could be. What else you got? Oh, what else do I got? Um, let me see. Um, what else I got? You want to talk about this week's pressure, Kisisa? It's um, Well, it is the last episode of the week, so this would be the time, I guess, to do that. You have... Um, you have a, it's a, they're all great parshas, but this one has a particularly uh, outstanding uh, conversation between the Moshe Rabbeinu and uh, and Hashem, um, and uh, it's after the Chet of the Eagle, after Moshe Rabbeinu breaks the luchas coming down from Har Sinai, and he breaks the luchas. By the way, you know the luchas, the first luchas were manufactured with all kinds of very valuable. Sapphires, and I think Rashi says uh, gems and sapphires. And Hashem allowed Moshe Rabbeinu to keep the little pieces of the jewelry that was the Luchas was manufactured out of. And Rashi says that's how became that's how Moshe became very wealthy. <laughs> Hashem allowed him to keep it. In case you were wondering what he did for a living, I don't think he was on the payroll. Was Moshe, was Moshe wealthy? I, yeah, I know, like, uh, yeah. Apparently, he was very he was very wealthy. Apparently, he, according to Rashi in this week's parasha, he was able to keep the the jewels that. Um, you know, part of the the first luchos that were broken into into little pieces, but after after Hashem, uh, Hashem uh, I don't have a chumash in front of me, but but Moshe says to Hashem, "Who are you?" Wait a minute, who are you? Sh- oh, tell me who you are. Show me show me your glory. Tell me who is God. And this is the conversation where Hashem says, "No man could see my face and live." It's something that a regular human being with a soul inside of a body cannot 
cannot withstand, cannot absorb. So he offered to Moshe Rabbeinu to put him up on a on a on a on a cleft in a mountain and to cover his his uh, Moshe's eyes with his hand, Hashem's hand, so to speak. And he said to Moshe that I'll pass by. You're not going to be able to see me, but after I pass by, you'll be able to see the back of my uh, of my head. And uh, that was the closest Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest man to ever live, was able to uh, to be able to absorb uh, godliness. And the Gemara says someplace that Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, who um, who was the, the the author of the, the of the Mishnah, the codifier of uh, of the Mishnah, uh, they asked him he, once. You know, how did he achieve such greatness? And he said that his Rebbe was Rebbe Meir. He says he once saw the back of Rebbe Meir's head. So we, you see a glimpse. You see a glimpse of something that's so powerful uh, that could be uh, something that is a, uh, a catalyst uh, uh, to um, stay with you uh, forever in, in, a, in a positive way. So that... Uh, Listen, you, you, just, you just mentioned uh, before in our story that you remember something from 60 years ago, uh, something that happened negatively, and I think the same holds for something that's positive. Uh, you know, that could even be more impactful. Well, you know, um, it's a, it was a powerful... Uh, of course, uh, hopefully it works more for the positive things than, uh, than for the for negative. Sure. But I think the, the dialogue between Kaddish Baruch Hu and Moshe Rabbeinu it, it it deserves being looked at and read and studied over and over again because it's just it's just mind boggling the relationship between Moshe and Hashem and how he how he handled it in such a majestic uh, uh, almost a, like in a, in a in a royal way it's a, a fascinating uh, conversation so to speak if you can have a conversation with uh, with Hashem but that's in in this week's parsha and you should uh, it should jump out at you uh, when you see it. Absolutely. Well, um, that's our episode for today. Last episode of the week. I'll see you. I'll see you later. I'm coming in. I'll be by you for Shabbos. Okay. You didn't know yet. Yeah, I heard. I heard the rumor. I heard the rumor you were coming in. You heard the rumor for Shabbos. I will be in town. I am. Okay. And, good. Um, you're recording. And, uh, you're recording some podcasts. I understand. Yes, I'm recording a podcast tonight for Meaningful People with Blimi Heller. Um, she is a a parenting coach expert. She has 156,000 followers on Instagram from lady. I think she lives in Lakewood and people, people are, are eating up the things that she's saying, um, parenting advice and tips and scenarios and examples and stories. So all the parents out there, make sure to subscribe. By the way, something I want to mention, 74% of you that are right now watching the daily thread are not subscribed to our YouTube channel. You're watching it every day. And you're not subscribed, so go ahead, just hit the subscribe button. Oh, I was gonna let's get that I was number. Ask you, I was gonna ask you how you do that. I, I'm not a subscriber, but uh, you know. Oh wow, thanks, Abba. You know, you I can't, you can't subscribe to our own YouTube channel. You know, you have to you have to know your way around doing these things. You know, um, there's a big there's a big subscribe button. I was on the phone with somebody um, from one of the financial institutions because I got a new computer and I didn't have my password, and I was explaining to her that you have to go slow with me because I was born in the 1950s. And she said to me, right. you don't sound like you're that old. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, you don't look that old either. Well, I have uh, Nachi and Nissen to, to keep me young. <laughs> all righty, that's our episode for today. We'll see you all again next week here on The Daily Thread. But let's, let's flip those numbers over the weekend from 74% not subscribed to 74% subscribed. 
And, uh, of course, keep sending in your perm pictures. We're going to go over them over the weekend and announce a winner of our $250 raffle of the most creative perm costume. We hope to see you next week. This is The Daily Thread. Shabbat shalom.